being all enthusiastic. That's good to see. Well, we're in. Uh, we're, we're actually coming up over halfway. We're almost three three quarter time at the footy with, when it comes to this series, uh, the radical hospitality of God, and we've been exploring up to this point in time all the excuses we make about why we can't come into God's presence. We've we've looked at uh, Matthew, the tax collector, and how everybody says, well. Jesus, you can't accept that person because, you know, they're, they're a sinner and they're a tax collector. And then we, we looked at the fact that God doesn't even mind when we gate crash in, when we've got a heart that just wants to do what is right. And we looked at the woman who came and wept at Jesus' feet. And we looked at um, uh, other passages as well, which have just slipped my mind. Um, uh, to, can you remember what they are? No. I can't either. Mary, Martha and busyness. And what was the one that Nathan did last week? Nathan, no pressure. The one with the two guys walking the road to Emmaus. Yeah, yeah. And so we said that questions are allowed and it doesn't matter if you're busy. Uh, God uh, wants to be involved. And we've been looking at all the excuses that we can make ourselves around the whole dinner table of God. And tonight we're going to be changing tact a little bit because God's acceptance of us is all all good and it's good for that to happen. But it doesn't really change anything unless it changes something. Like we can feel accepted by God, but unless our, our life changes, unless something different happens, then what's the point? I mean, so we've been accepted, that's nice. But, but is, is there a point where we say that, that God's presence to us actually changes something within us? Does something? And I don't know about you, but when, when I came to faith, when I said yes to Jesus, it's because I wanted something to change. And if nothing changed, then I would have given up on it. But when we come and when we say yes to Jesus, that yes to Jesus is designed to change something in you and in me. We're not the same. And so when the woman comes to the feet of Jesus and weeps, he doesn't say, there, there, it's all okay. You'll be good now. He goes, your sins have been forgiven and she leaves being transformed. And so I wonder tonight whether... In, in your heart, you've wrestled with this concept of this. Does the gospel change people's lives? Do you believe that the gospel changes people's lives? And the, and the very first place you've got to start with that, of course, is do you believe the gospel has changed your life? Do you, do you believe that it, it has done something inside of you to transform you and renew you and to be a blessing upon your life? Do you believe that the gospel is life transforming? You might just say, well, what, Barry, what do you mean by the gospel? Well, I'm glad you asked. Only those people... 50 and over who remember that science show would actually get that reference, but that's okay. The gospel is simply this, that God made the world good and out of our free will we decided to break away from God and say, we no longer want you to be God, I want to be God. 
I want to live my way. I want to do life the way that I want to do it because I think that I make a better God than you. And we call that sin. And it caused brokenness into this world. And, and God's heart broke and our lives broke as a result of it. And you and I now live in a broken world with broken lives. And because God's heart broke in our brokenness, he decided, I can't leave people there. And so he decided to send his son who would live and show us what it's like to live fully connected with God, but then also to die in our place for our brokenness, for our sin. And that in his rising again from the dead, we get a witness of a new creation, a new way of living in relationship with God that all people may enter into. And so God calls us now to enter into that new relationship with him, that new healing of our brokenness into the world. So I ask you in your life, does the reality of Jesus dying and raising again change you? Does that relationship with God heal you? Does that connection with God do something in your life? Be honest with yourself. Does it change your life? Because if it changes your life, if it heals your brokenness, if you really believe that the gospel is the answer to all the brokenness that is in the world, then surely we need to put a bit of weight onto it. Surely it's like finding a cure for cancer and going you know what, I've got something here that can help a whole lot of people. And, and we'll get excited about it to go, you know what, here it is. See how you're, you're struggling to cope with this, this and this? The gospel speaks into that and can change it. But if you don't believe that it can happen for you and in you, then you're never going to be able to see it be used in other people. And tonight I don't want to talk about the fact that life-changing hospitality. That once we realise that what we have is incredible and special and, and transformative, that we've got to pass it on to other people. And that God can use people like you and me to bring that life-saving, uh, healing uh, message to other people. And it doesn't have to happen the way that you think it is. We don't have to knock on doors and go, do you know Jesus? You've seen that cartoon where someone's knocking on the door and they say, have you found Jesus? And Jesus is hiding behind the curtain with his feet sticking out. It's rather cute. <laughs> what I want to put to you tonight is that God, if you realise that the gospel saved you, that the work of Jesus has saved you and, and you are excited about that, that God will use that in you to bring other people to that experience. I know that it worked because it worked for me. And, and why I'm excited about seeing people come to Jesus Christ is because Jesus came and met me and I want him to meet other people.
But I think sometimes in the church we just forget how powerful it is, the message that we hold. I think sometimes we forget how miraculous it is, this, this message that we hold about Jesus that can bring healing and wholeness to people's lives. Now, maybe sometimes it's because we've prayed and we prayed and we prayed and we haven't seen what we believe that we want to see. And so we start to doubt the power of the gospel that it can do what the, the scriptures claim that it can do. Maybe we've just given up praying altogether. And just saying, oh, it doesn't matter. But when we come to the understanding that the gospel changes everything, then we've got to share it with other people because it can change people's lives. Now, I want to share a story with you tonight, which if you've hanged around church long enough, you, you, would, you would know. But it's a fascinating story of what it leaves out just as much as what it puts in. And it's from Luke 19, 1 to 10. It's the story of Zacchaeus. So if you've been to any kind of Christian school, you'd know this. Uh, any Sunday school, you've probably done this. Uh, I always have this picture of this tree that hangs over a road. A little Zacchaeus is hugging the tree and Jesus is standing underneath. Have you seen that one? No, none of you have, it's just me. So Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through and a man uh, by the name of Zacchaeus, a chief tax collector, was wealthy. So he's a tax collector. We learnt that a couple of weeks ago, that tax collectors were shunned by the religious community, saying that they're ripping people off, they could not have anything to do with it. Zacchaeus is the chief one, which means he's the wealthiest, he gets the most money, everyone responds to him. And so he's seen as a sinner uh, by the community. But he wanted to see who Jesus was. He'd heard the stories. He heard about this guy who could heal people. He heard about this guy that was transforming people's lives. He heard all the stories and he wanted to see for himself. But because he was short, and so I don't relate to this guy at all, he could not see over the crowd. I've never had that problem. Even at the footy... Christmas parade, you name it, I'm at the back. Every photo, at the back. Always find me in Target. I gave up dancing when I was a teenager because I kept on hitting my ball on the mirror, my head on the mirror ball. All those kinds of things. Can't relate. Could not see over the crowd. Sorry, I digress. I'm tired. Uh, so he ran ahead of them, climbed a sycamore fig tree, to see him, and since Jesus was coming along that way, and so Jesus is walking up in the tree. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, come down immediately, I must stay at your place today. I think that's great. Imagine just walking up to someone in a supermarket and going, I'm going to your place for dinner tonight. I suppose if someone famous said that to you, you'd go, okay, wouldn't you? So he came down at once, welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be a guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, look Lord, here and now I give up half of my possessions, that's a fair bit of dough, and I give them to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone out of anything, and he made his living out of cheating people out of everything, I'll pay back four times the amount. 
And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham, a true Israelite. That's what it means. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So right there is Jesus' mission statement. For those who are broken, those who are far away from God, that is who he's come for. And the reality is, is that the Spirit of Jesus, if, if we have called Jesus Lord, lives in us. And so therefore, it is our mandate as well to, to what um, God is calling us to do. So this story is fascinating. And it's fascinating for a couple of reasons. It's, it's fascinating because there is something in Zacchaeus, even though he is as far away from God as he possibly can be, there's something in him that draws him to Jesus. And I just want you to think about someone in your life now who is far away from God as they possibly can be. Just think of that person who's so far away that you, you, you talk to them and you go, man, you're never coming to Jesus. And that's who Zacchaeus is in this story. I think that should give us hope. But there's something that the Spirit of God sparks inside of Zacchaeus that makes him go, you know what, even though I am short, that is not going to be stop me from taking a geezer at Jesus. I'm going to do whatever it takes to have a look. He didn't want to be stopped. He didn't want to be noticed. He just, there was just something in him that wanted to be gravitated to see what all the hype was about. I think that's fascinating. And I think it's fascinating that Luke doesn't write anything of the conversation between Zacchaeus and Jesus that makes him change. I think it's fascinating that, that there is no dialogue. They said that Jesus said to Zacchaeus, you know what, you're a sinful guy, you're, you're, you're making rich, being rich off of people, but you know what, you've got to change your ways. It's none of that conversation. All there is is Jesus saying, I want to come to your place. They go to his place and somewhere in the middle of the, the meal, Zacchaeus stands up and says, I'm going to give it all away. What is that? And from my point of view, that is the very presence of God changing people's lives. That this whole message that we carry, this whole reality of who Jesus is, changes people's lives. And that when you and I come with the Spirit of God, when we host the Spirit of God within us, we can be used by God to change people's lives. And I don't think our words matter. Because sometimes we can make excuses, can't we? Well, I don't know what to say. I don't know if they will accept the fact that I believe in Jesus. I don't know if I will be liked. I don't know, I don't know. We make all these excuses. Jesus brings none of that. He just comes and he sits and he is who he is, and his presence does something within the soul of Zacchaeus that takes him from a, a path of destruction to a path of life. And I think there are some of us in this room even that feel like we're on a path of destruction. I want to say the presence of God can put you onto a path of life. 
I think we can look at people in our lives and say they're on a path of destruction, but, but the very message of Jesus can bring people back onto the path of life by his pure presence. So God's presence in you can change people around you. It's not just about you being nice. It's not just about you accepting people. It's about you saying, here I am, the vessel of the living God, and and put me in a situation and I'll shine. Put me in uh, a situation and, and God through me will change the environment. Because we put up with stuff. We put up with schools where we think that the environment is terrible. We put up with home lives where we think the, the environment is terrible. We put up with work life where, the, where we think that the, um, the environment is terrible. And they may be, but we also never stand by the truth that we have the living God inside of us and we can change the environment. What would happen if we just walked into a place and said, God, here I am, This environment sucks. Use me to change it. Why do we just accept the environment that we have? Why don't we not just say, God, use me to change it? And God might take you down some weird and wacky paths on how you can change it, but if our heart is open that way, then our hospitality can change people's lives. So there's a couple of things that I want to bring to you. If, you, if you're into the fact that you want to see God change people's lives within you. Uh, and I've got to tell you that I've prayed with many people to come and give their lives to Jesus. There is nothing more rewarding than seeing someone on a path to destruction turn to a path of life. And you sit back and you realise that although it had nothing to do with you, that God chose to use you anyway. So this is what Jesus did, and this is our example for today out of this passage. The first thing that Jesus did when he wanted to bring uh, life-changing hospitalities, he stopped. That's the very first thing he did. He couldn't keep on walking and talk to Zacchaeus. He wasn't like, hey, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your place today. The very first thing he did was he stopped And I think the very first thing, if we want our lives to change the environment we're in, if we want our lives to change people's hearts by the Spirit of God within us, then we need to stop. Stop making excuses about why we can't. Stop looking at our faults. Stop looking at our failures. Stop looking at all all the reasons why we shouldn't. And start believing that God wants to do it. The other thing we need to stop doing is is stop being so busy and make room to be interrupted. And we've already talked about story after story where Jesus is really happy to be interrupted and he's on his way to Jerusalem to die for our sins and in the middle of his way to do that, he stops and looks up and sees this man in the tree. God loves to interrupt We can go through life and go, oh, isn't life boring? Oh, life's not turning out the way. God will interrupt your life if you say yes to him. 
And God will use you to interrupt other people's lives if you say yes to him. But you've got to be prepared to stop. You've got to be prepared to be interrupted by God. And then you've got to be prepared to look up. And, and by look up, I, I mean that you've got to, got to see who's making an effort to hang around you. Who's, who's climbing the tree to experience you? Because you're pretty cool. Who, who, who has God brought into your world that he might want to use you to bring into life and a new relationship with him? Look up. Take your eyes off the ground, off of all your busyness, off of all you're doing, and look up. Who's around me? Who does God want me to spend time with? Who does God want me to embrace? Look up. Thirdly, God... Uh, thirdly, then Jesus invites. He invites himself into um, Zacchaeus's world as well as inviting Zacchaeus into his. It's a two-way principle. We sometimes like to invite people into our world, but we're not prepared to go into theirs. But I want to put to you that you learn a lot about someone by entering their world. I learn a fascinating amount about people when I enter their homes for the very first time. The very first thing I do when I enter into someone's home, so you're going to be scared if I come around to your place, is always look at the picture wall, because there's a picture wall in just about everyone's home. And, uh, and there's, you know, there's the, the wedding photos, maybe, or photos of friends, or photos of children, or photos of grandchildren. And if you go to someone who's been around this earth for quite some time, you see some amazing outfits and hairstyles. They just make me laugh on the inside. I don't know why. And then I go to, and then I look at people's bookcases because it's always interesting to see what people read. I, I look around and I, and I see how they set out a room. I'm not judging them. I just want to get to know them. And everything that's in a house declares about something about the person which should worry you teenagers or young adults with what your room looks like just saying just just saying just putting it out there good to see the back rows laughing and not asleep so uh, invite yourself into a into another person's world. When, you, when, you've, when you've looked up and you know that God is calling you to, to connect with someone, invite yourself into their world and invite them into yours. Jesus just says, Zacchaeus, I'm going to come to your place and I'm going to eat with you. Bring your friends. And, and, and he's got all his friends gathered there and it's in that setting and Jesus uh, being in that setting that the Spirit of God does something in Zacchaeus' heart and mind transformation comes, new life comes, new direction comes because of Jesus' presence at the dinner table. So the last thing we're going to do is pray and not give up because you can't do anything to change another person's life. Only the Spirit of God in you can do something. I learned a long time ago, it was a great revelationary moment, is that I can't change Kelly at all. I'd like to at times, but I can't. I can't change my kids. I would have loved to, 
when they were full of hormones, changed them, but I couldn't. The only thing I could do was pray for them. I can't change people in the church, even though at times I'd really like to. But all I can do is ask for God to change them. And when you want to be used by God to change another person's life, then prayer becomes the cornerstone that you've got to say, here I am, God, I'm obedient, do something. And when you bring the Spirit of God into to another person's world, you'll be amazed. One, at how foreign it is to people. Something about you, man. I don't know what it is, but I don't know, there's a joy or there's a peace. Well, you, you just see the world differently. Man, that's fascinating. Where does that come from? So we're going to pray that God will melt people's hearts. God will renew people. God will restore people. But we've got to believe that the gospel changes people if we're ever going to enter the city. And if we're ever going to believe that, we've got to believe that the gospel can change us. So will you stand with me tonight? Really impressed that the back row stayed awake through that whole talk. Double thumbs up. They were threatening to go to sleep earlier on. This is what I want you to do. I've got a couple of things that I want you to respond with tonight. I'm going to stand up here because I'm not tall enough. There are some of you that I believe here that really want the gospel to change you, but you haven't experienced it yet. And you've got all kinds of excuses in your mind about why the gospel can't. All I want to put to you tonight is taste and see that the Lord is good. Give it a go. You've got all your head full of excuses about why God can't. What if you just say God can? And I want to put to you tonight that if that's you, then all I want you to do is hold your hands together in front of you like this. That's all I want you to do as a a small symbol of saying, God, I've yet to experience the gospel work in front of me. If you want to be used by God to see other people experience this love and grace, and you haven't done that yet, then I just ask you to put your hands out in front of you like this. Just as a simple gesture again of saying, God, here I am. I want to be used by you. And let's pray together. Close your eyes. Put your hands together if you want to experience the power of the gospel in your own life. Put your hands out if you want to share it with others. Loving God, I thank you for all those in this room that want to experience right now the power of your gospel. We thank you, Lord, that you died and rose again so that we may have life in all its fullness. And Lord, right now, we just rebuke any negative thoughts, any reasons why this, this shouldn't or we couldn't or we can't. And we say, yes, Lord, come, take my sin. I surrender my life to you, Lord. Do a work in my heart because I know that I'm heading down a path that is of destruction and I need a path of life. So will you come, holy God, and meet those people right now 
who want to experience the power of the gospel and will your forgiveness, your love, your grace and your mercy flood through them again or for the very first time. And Lord, for those who've got their hands out, Lord, I pray an anointing upon them, Lord, who want to be used to see your gospel transform not just their lives but the lives of others around them, Lord. Anoint them with the power of your Holy Spirit right now. May their hearts be looking for opportunity. May you give them, Lord, the ability to stop, the ability to look up, the the ability to invite and the ability to pray people into the kingdom of God. Because your radical hospitality, Lord, is too good not to share. Your radical hospitality of acceptance, love, healing and wholeness, Lord. How do we keep that to ourselves? So empower these people, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of the verses from the song.